It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. You may know his story from the popular movie The Rookie that starred Dennis Quaid. Today's guest, Jim Morris, was a high school teacher and baseball coach who wanted to motivate his team. He told the boys, if you win a district championship, I'll go try out for a major league baseball team. The bet was born, and with it, so was The Rookie. Jim's players won the district championship, and Jim fulfilled his end of the bet. He went to a tryout and threw 12 consecutive 98-mile-per-hour pitches. Three months later, 35-year-old schoolteacher Jim Morris was striking out major league hitters in front of his high school players and family. The movie The Rookie won the ESPY for Sports Film of the Year, and Sports Illustrated voted it one of the five greatest baseball films ever made. You know, Jim, your movie, The Rookie, I've always loved it. It's it's one of my favorites. Being a, a professional baseball player was something that you always dreamt about doing, but you settled in as a high school teacher. What was your life like before you became a teacher, and, and did you always want to play professional ball? From the age of five, I wanted to be a professional ball player. I didn't even know that I got paid at that time. I just <laughs> thought, hey, if I get a hot dog and a Coke, that's cool. And uh you know, the movie displays the relationship between my father and myself as being kind of rough. It was actually a lot worse than that. It was more about the kids in the movie than it was about my parents. So uh, early on, I had a rough childhood and was told I wasn't good enough and I would never would be. And, and so I was hard on myself and therefore uh, talked myself out of a lot of dreams when I was younger, including educationally. And so I had to learn at a later age that dreams can come true. You know what's interesting, Jim? Someone had written an article for our, our digital magazine, and in the article, they wrote about how, you know, we spend our entire lives with ourselves. We should be the person we know the best, that we love the most, and yet we look for all of this external validation. And you just spoke about the impact of harsh words. And isn't it interesting how we allow those externals to really dominate who and what we are? Oh, it's amazing. When I look back now, I'm a completely different person. Uh, than before I coached those kids. Uh, I would let those voices creep in and take over. And and now when I get tired or something, I'll, I'll hear them and I can just go, you know what, that stuff's not true. I know exactly who I am and what I'm doing. But for a lot of us, those words become imprinted on us and we start to believe. And, you know, I tell people in the audiences, you can live up to or down to expectations put upon you. For the first part of my life, I lived down to expectations. This part of my life, I'm trying to live up to expectations. Jim, one of the interesting things for me about your story is that you made this bet with these boys, and what your end of the deal was was to go out and do something that would make you completely uncomfortable and something that you didn't believe you would be able to accomplish. So why did you hold up your end of the deal and go to that tryout? I went to that tryout because of my the relationship I had with my grandfather. When I was 15, my parents moved me from Florida uh, to Texas to play high school football. So our coach didn't even allow high school baseball then. But for those three years, I lived with my grandparents, and I got to watch the way a loving, nurturing couple lives. And they taught me how to be a good human being. They gave me lessons every day. And one of those lessons was if you ever make a promise, you keep that promise. Because when you pass away, you're going to be remembered for one thing. Did you live up to your word? 
and those kids had nobody to believe in. And for me to back out of that bet at that time after they had done something nobody thought they could do just because I thought I couldn't do something, that was wrong, and I needed to go to that tryout. And I did, and when I went, I was blown away. I mean, those kids were absolutely right. Jim, when you made that bet, did you believe that they could win the divisionals, or did you just think it would be something to light a fire under them and see what happens? I was just trying to change the direction. They had heard another coach talking about them an hour before practice one day, saying that they were never going anywhere. They were all losers. They were all, never get out of that little town. And, you know, it spread through my team like wildfire. So at the start of 1999, our first two games were 15-1 to and 15-0, to and we weren't the ones with 15. And so I had to change something. And what it came down to was a challenge. And the kids said, well, if you want us to chase our dreams, then you have to, too. And I just threw it out there, and I said, all right, you guys win a division championship, I will go out and I will try it again, even though I knew I'd already been told I would never pitch again because of the surgeries. I made the bet, and I was willing to put myself out there and go to a tryout and embarrass myself just to help those kids know that an adult believed in them. So, Jim, you went to the tryouts. What was going through your mind that day? It's going to be the most embarrassing thing I've ever been through in my life. I mean, I can't even, by this time, the kids are hitting me all over the park. I can't even get high school kids out. And I'm going to a tryout with some major league scouts, and I'm going to try to impress him. I thought, you know what, I'm going to pitch as quickly as possible, get my kids back in the car and drive home and try to get away and tell my kids, you know what, I did it, and I was right. But I wasn't right. They were. So, Jim, for somebody who's sitting home right now that wants to try something that truly believes it will be the most embarrassing thing they will ever do in their life, what would you say to that person? You want to wake up in 20 years from now and ask yourself, what if? I mean, that is the big question. That was my question when I found out I threw 98. I knew I'd failed all those times before when I was supposed to be young and talented. Now I wasn't supposed to be talented anymore. What would I do if I'd have said no? I never would have found that out. I never would have known. You don't know until you actually get up and try. So don't wake up one day and ask yourself, what if? And I always say to people that, really, I've gotten rid of the word failure from my life because when I go out and speak, I tell someone to try it because let's say, Jim, you went to this tryout and let's say what you thought was going to happen happened. It was the most embarrassing event or day of your life. So you went home. Would your life be any different than it was the day before? If you didn't try you would have had that regret for the rest of your life. But if you try and maybe it doesn't work out the way you wanted, how did you fail? I I mean, that's what I tell people. There's no such thing as failure. It's just um, your life would be exactly as it was before you went to the tryout. So you have to go for something. Absolutely, you have to go for something. If I would not have gone, I would not have known, and maybe those kids would not have found out that they could accomplish whatever they wanted to. Joan... Every kid on that team except one, nobody played baseball after high school, but every kid except one got a college degree, owns their own businesses. I have a kid flying helicopters for the Coast Guard, and they have their own families now. And they they all live all across the country. And that is just amazing to me that those kids learned that. And I was the person who was able to push them, and they pushed me back. You know, we're talking about you going on and becoming a Major League Baseball player and following your dream, but I think what you just said is such a powerful aspect of your story. It's how one man can touch the lives of so many others, and that's what we forget. Every one of us has the power to influence and impact others in such a profound way, and we don't see that, I don't think, often enough. 
we don't see that, and the profound way can go either way, either negative or positive. And once I got the negative stuff out of my life, uh, the positive took over. And because of those kids, now I know anything's possible. So, Jim, you got the call. What was the next step after the tryouts? I signed a minor league contract. I took a pay cut from teaching to play minor league baseball. And, you know, I'm grading science papers in May of 1999. In September of 1999, I'm in the ballpark in Arlington pitching against the Texas Rangers uh, because of a group of high school kids. How long did you play in the majors? I played for two years. I came back for a third year. We were getting ready to film the movie. I was going through a, a bad marriage, and I went home. My son called me during spring training with the Dodgers and said, Dad, when are you coming home? An hour later, I was in my car with everything packed, and I was on my way home. I went home and got my kids, and we went to the movie set. So you got this call that they were going to film this movie with Dennis Quaid playing you. How did that feel? I mean, was this surreal? Did you even think that this was a possibility? Uh, it was, it's still, it's still surreal. You know, there were, there were points when I look back now, like the time, the day that Dennis signed the contract, I went over to his house in Brentwood, and we played catch in his front yard. I mean, you look back at stuff like that, and you're like, did I do that? <laughs> I mean, this guy's made 60 movies. I'm playing catch with him in his front yard. Are you kidding me? And so, yeah, it's been surreal. I mean, still surreal if you sit back and think about it. Was his portrayal of you accurate? Did he really get a sense for what you were going through at that time? Everybody seems to think so. So, yes, ma'am, he did. What do you say to someone who says that he or she is too old or not talented enough or has a million excuses that they've developed? And age is usually one that most people use when they want to follow a new dream. So what do you say about that age factor? Age doesn't matter. I've had people come up to me in different venues around the world telling me that they've seen my movie or they've heard me speak at one point and they've come back to tell me that they've changed their lives. I had one lady come up and she was a waitress uh, who had served this breakfast, professional breakfast deal I did in California. And she waited till everybody was gone. She came up to me crying, hugging me. And she goes, I went through a divorce the year your movie came out. I watched it. I graduated medical school last month, and this is my last week to work here, and I got to see you and tell you thank you. You were given a second chance in life, and, and we've been talking about it. You grabbed it, and, and we've been discussing how important it is for people to go out and follow their dreams. But what about the person that really feels like they've been on the wrong path. They've just made such a mess of their life, and they're trying to get a second chance. What do you say to someone about second chances? Second chances are always possible. I mean, for me, it was a third, fourth, and a fifth chance that finally took hold, and it was a group of kids who pointed that out to me. Uh, there's never a reason to give up, even when things look overwhelming and obstacles get in your way. Don't let things stand in your way. You sit back for a little bit, you make a plan, and you go after that plan. And that's what I tell the kids I teach baseball lessons to today. You make a plan, you stay with the plan, and you work your plan. And then you go after it and you see what happens. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, that's fine, too, because at least you know that venue is closed off. But it may open up the door to something else you didn't even know was there. Jim, you're a motivational speaker, and you go out and you talk to groups all over the world. And what are some of the steps that you teach people to really focus on a new direction or a path, getting from point A to point B in their life? 
I think the most important lessons are the ones that my grandfather taught me, uh, family, uh, faith, and taking care of other people before yourself. And I think if you give back, then you're going to receive tenfold in return for that. And you know, I can't say it any more justly than this. I got that from those high school kids. When I gave them everything I had, they gave me everything they had. And so the lessons that I take, the number one lesson would be from my grandfather. Remember who you are and where you came from and go from there. In the beginning of the interview, you spoke about the difficult relationship you had with your father. Was it easy to forgive him? And if you were able to, did it free you? Absolutely, it freed me. And it took me a long time to come to that point. But I had I have had to learn to forgive him for me. Uh, not forgive him for him, but forgive him for me so that I could move on with my life. If someone's sitting home right now going through a difficult family situation, what would be your advice to that person to make the first step to change those dynamics? Uh, be introspective. Look at yourself and see what there is about yourself that could be wrong or not be wrong and take an inventory of the positives and negatives of the relationship. And you just got to move on from there. If that doesn't work, then you get professional help. Um, I'm not afraid to say that I had to do that. And it worked. You know what? Those negative feelings are gone. And I can look at my life in a whole new light. And I see positives everywhere I turn. And never, ever give up. Jim, you spoke about how when you were playing ball with Dennis and, and you just couldn't believe that this is the direction your life had taken, what does it feel like, truly feel like, to have been someone that has had the opportunity to live out his dream? Um, I guess it would be wrong if I didn't say it was amazing, but I really don't look at myself in that way. I look at myself as someone who was pushed by a group of kids to do something he didn't think he could do and accomplished it. I attribute my dreams to my kids, my high school kids. The kids supported you through this. Did you tell anyone else that you were going to this tryout? I did tell my father. So my son, my dad, my high school kids were the only people that knew. And did everyone support you, or how did your father react? Uh, actually, he was a little bit supportive. He just, he goes, well, you're old. I said, I know. <laughs> so he just kind of went from there and laughed about it and moved on. You know, and I, I asked that question because... I know way back when, when I was starting this, that I had, majority of people were behind me, but there was one voice. One person had said that I was making a fool of myself, and throughout the entire process, 99 people can say something positive, but it's that one person that you listen to. So that's why I asked about your father. So he, actually, he did support you in a way, which, was that, did that surprise you? It did surprise me. It was after the fact that I signed the contract and I was going to play that my, my now ex-wife uh, did some newspaper articles telling people that she was the one with her feet on the ground and I was living in the clouds and, and all kinds of stuff. She didn't believe in me. But my high school kids, my son, and my parents believed in me. And so that was good enough for me. So, Jim, how did this experience change your life? Did you go back to teaching or did it just catapult you in a totally different direction? It catapulted me in a totally different direction, although I've had job offers from from Major League Baseball down to college and high school levels, and, and you know, I got yelled at, cursed at, and screamed at 
the entire time I grew up, and that's not how I teach, and that's not how I coach. I talk to kids like they're human beings, and that's what they respond to, and so I've been successful at that. Jim, if we have any kids that are listening to this show, and if they're living in an abusive family situation, what would you say to those kids to give them strength that they can get through such a situation? Maybe where they can seek some help? Uh, your high school or, or your school counselor at first. And just the first thing you have to realize is it's not about you. Uh, the problems that are caused between adults is not about the kids ever. It's about the parents. And so if you can get that in your head and you can go find the help, um, there's free psychological advice in almost every city that I know of. Uh, you can go to your school counselor or um, a city counselor and, and talk to somebody. But, but talk to somebody. That's the important thing. Jim, if our listeners would like to get more information about you and your work, where can they go? Uh, JimTheRookieMorris.com. So that's JimTheRookieMorris.com. And as always, listeners can visit our website, CYACYL.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows as podcasts, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on Facebook. Jim, in our remaining moments, what would be the one thing you would like our listeners to walk away with from this interview? What's your most important message for them? Uh, my most important message, I think, is that nothing is impossible if you give it a chance. But if you're going to give it a chance, you've got to give it 100%, 100% of the time, because you don't want to wake up one day and ask yourself what is. That is the most important thing. You go for it. If you're going to go for it, go for it. Jim, thank you so much for spending time with us today. As I said in the beginning, this is a very special show for me. It's about dreams. I followed mine, you followed yours, and I hope that there's someone out there listening to us right now that something we've said in this interview would excite and motivate them to move forward with something they want to accomplish in life. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Absolutely, Joan, and congratulations to you. This is Conversations with Joan. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.